Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, GI Combat number 121, cover date December 1966, cover price 12 cents. Cover artist Russ Heath, edited by Robert Kaniger, featuring Battle of Two Wars, written by Robert Kaniger, art by Russ Heath. And Tales of the Unexpected number 98, cover date December 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist Bernard Bailey, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring The Weird Passenger in Cabin number 13, written by Dave Wood, art by George Russos. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go! Jeb Stewart and the haunted tank face off against an enemy tank positioned on top of a hill. They shoot the ground under the tank, causing it to fall from the cliff. To get out of the way of the falling tank, Jeb directs their tank into a cave, but the enemy tank seals off the entrance. Jeb leads the haunted tank through the tunnels inside the cavern, which serves as a time portal transporting them back to World War I. Meanwhile, after embezzling money from his bank, Mark Regan books passage to South America to escape the authorities. Unbeknownst to him, he he crosses paths with the green glob that is invisible to human eyes but has the ability to change lives. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. Where do you think they're walking to? I don't know. I don't. I they never walk. I know they never walk. You know, he is a uh, part-time court bailiff and uh-huh. also part-time marriage counselor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Really? Yes. Wow. I never would have thought he was a marriage counselor. Well, he's a Bible-based marriage counselor, oh, so I don't know no what kind wonder. of licensing that involves. But hi. Well, he's a good neighbor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Except they... They're the ones that leave the pile of rotting meat out in the back of their property that the cat goes and eats. Gets and sick. the neighbor dog and all the neighborhood pets get diarrhea yeah. from eating rotten meat. What do they call that? Their meat pile? The meat pile. <laughs> I don't know. 
I never heard of such a thing. Waste pile. They throw all their old grease out there. Well, why don't they put it in a coffee can like a normal person? I don't know. Why don't you ask? Maybe it says in the Bible that thou shalt put your meat scraps out. It doesn't. I'm very familiar with the Bible. I work in a church, so I've never heard that. Is it part of the Apocrypha? No. Okay. In fact, I'm more familiar with the Apocrypha. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Susanna and Hall of Fairness and all them. What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, I had the best nap. Oh, my God. Oops. If you're a new listener, this is absolutely the way we begin every podcast, by the way. <laughs> Can I just say? Sure. I had a rough week. You I did? had a rough week. I'm not going to go into details. You've already heard it. Listeners don't really care. Uh, but I had a really rough week, and I needed this weekend of very, very little productivity to just regroup so badly. And I took a nap yesterday, uh-huh. and I took a nap today, and I'm talking like two-hour naps. And I got lots of sleep, and I it is the it is the mental reset that I really, really needed. I think the only thing that could have been better was if it was a little bit more pleasant outside, and I had gone for like an hour-long hike each day mm-hmm, out. Sure. Know. Boy, I needed this weekend. Yeah. Well, uh, I had a shit nap today. Speak since we're cursing and throwing big words around. I'm sorry. It's fine. You know, I just work all the time. I know you do. I know you work. You know, I have a really, really stressful job. Mm -hmm. But you have three jobs and you work all the time. Yes. None of them are particularly stressful Mm -mm. except one which is in a great state of transition right now. And I don't like change, as you know. I know, I know, I know. It's troubling. I understand. But it'll all come out in the wash. And here we are. On a Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. after having taken a nap and woken up and and having our coffee yes. and uh, talking about the neighbors and it's lovely. Oh, look at the light show over there. Oh, isn't that yeah, pretty? Yeah, what is that thing? What is what? That thing that's changing colors. Oh, it's my light. It's, I, I use it to fill in the light when I'm playing guitar uh, to help me read my score. But I turned it on for mood. It's changing colors. Isn't it cool? And then with the with the humidifier in the room, it looks like we're in some sort of a a dance. It looks like we traveled in time back to the 1970s. Speaking of speaking which, speaking of which, I did not expect this story to come out of GI Combat. Uh... Although I that don't know why, us. because I do know. I mean, come on, it's a story that, 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 whose premise is it's a tank haunted by a Civil War general. Right. And Hello. We, I do know of a story where Sergeant Rock teams up with the Viking prince. So. Oh. Okay. I guess it's there is precedent. So I guess uh, you just spoiler alert. There's time travel. You need a little reminder with this one. Mm-hmm. A little what? A little reminder. Yeah. Yeah. That that's anything is possible. The haunted tank begins a fight in one war, and finds itself in another in the startling battle of two wars. Right. GI Combat number 121. Uh, oh, my sources say this should be cover dated December 1966, but I see right here on the cover it's actually January, January 1967. We've turned a corner, folks. We have, finally. Really? Trotting toward the end. My God. In about eight months mm. of comic book time, which will be, what, what another five f- years? Five years for us, mm-hmm. yeah. It's all right. We love our work. Well, one of us does. The ghost of the general... <laughs> That haunted our tank uttered a strange warning. I didn't know what it was until our tank crashed through the time barrier and we fought a battle, battle of, of two wars. Art by Russ Heath, story by Robert Kaniger. Um, yes, Russ Heath, solid, dependable. Mm-hmm. 
I believe he's, like a tank. Uh, I believe he's the artist that uh, Roy Lichtenstein so freely plagiarized and became a huge multimillionaire. Okay. On the splash page, we see a purple tank plummeting off a cliff on top of the green tank, which is our hero's tank. General, uh, no, Lieutenant Jeb Stewart. Jeb Stewart. Namesake of General J.E.B. Stewart of the Civil War, Mm -hmm. who's got a historical marker on the road right up the road in Hagerstown. Hagerstown. As my M3 Stewart tank was clanking along on patrol, this is uh, Lieutenant Stewart speaking in first-person narration. A fighter plane comes rat-a-tat-tat-tatting down the road after him. Fighter at 12 o'clock, hi, figuring to sweep us off the road, duck into the woods for cover. So into the woods the tank goes. Into the woods the tank goes and it is all getting fired at. Uh, The the enemy aircraft continues strafing the woods, setting the woods afire to drive the tank out. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here, Lieutenant? Uh, they pull back out onto the road. Look at that wonderful bottom panel. Yes. That, that is fantastic They uh, pull out of the woods so that they can fire back at the plane, and the plane bursts into flames. The Goodbye, n- Nazi. Goodbye, Nazi. Suddenly, a pigeon lands right on the hot seat. Yeah, so that gun would be hot. So I'm surprised that the pigeon, but the pigeon was exhausted. And he, um, and is this Jeb? Who is this Uh Jeb? Um, Jeb leans forward and picks up the pigeon. And uh, he said the pigeon leapt right into his hand. And he was exhausted. So um, Slim held it handed... uh, Jeb is ham- his helmet yep. as a place for the pigeon to sit and shit in. Yep. <laughs> well, come on. I know. The haunted tank has its own super pet. Tanky the pigeon. Tanky the pigeon. Uh, oh, the crew is delighted. Look at them. Look at them. There they are in World War II fighting off the Nazis and in comes a bedraggled old pigeon to shit inside someone's helmet and everyone's all just like little kids again. Little boys. Uh, you know what I do appreciate about this bottom panel where they're all cooing over the pigeon, no pun intended. Oh, that's so cute. I know you have a thing about when uh, men in the same panel all have the same face. Oh, these that's, these, these gentlemen have all have very different faces. Yes, yes, they did very well. Well I done. I can't say enough about the good artwork in this. Very good. Mm-hmm. Now... Yes. From the drifting smoke of the wrecked plane appears the wraith-like figure of the general who haunted our tank, General J.E.B. Stewart, Stewart, Confederate general. I'm not sure this series could get launched today. No. Uh, I've come to tell you that because of that bird... That doesn't sound very ghosty, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't. What are you looking for? Now I'm nervous. It doesn't. Hold on a second. Let me try... Let me try this. No, that's not going to do the sound that we want. I've come to tell you. I've come. Oh, here, oh, that's here it, we go. That's ready, ready, hold on a second. Let me get this all set up. Here. I've come to tell you that because of that bird, you will fight in more than one war today, Jeb. That sounds like a fight with the enemy, Navy General. The enemy Navy. Sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> that sounds like a fight with the enemy Navy, General. Yeah. But- 
We're miles away from the sea. No chance of that happening here, is there? Ha, 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 ha. Now Jeb, remember, yeah, yeah. the rest of the crew doesn't see the ghost. Only Jeb. They think he's insane. And yet they follow him into battle well, month yeah. after month. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the general faded from view. I was, um, and I was left talking to the thin air as we went on. That's because he probably imagines this all the time. He would talk yep. to the thin air. Yep. General, general, just what did you mean? General, what about fighting more than one more? General, come back. So as the steward clanked within range of a big hill, here we get a panel of a German tank. Yes. Uh, World War II German tank with its guns. Up uh, on a kind of a bluff, a bluff isn't bluff, it? Bluff, yes. Um, Aim down at our little, uh, what is this called? The Stuart M3? A Stuart tank. Stuart tank? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's tiny. I don't know how those boys fit in there. I don't know. It Slim must be and hot and freckly. And, and now they got bird shit in there. And bird shit. Yes, exactly. Uh, so they see that there's a cave at the bottom of the bluff. So Jeb says, we're going to park at the bottom of that cave opening uh, and give Rick, whoever Rick is, a chance to nail that buster up there from down here. So parking outside the cave opening, Rick, whoever Rick is, elevated the muzzle of the 33 millimeter, and they fired. Fire when ready, Rick. The first shell bounced off the enemy tank like a ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. So he said, listen, I want you to fire at the um, the, the, at the earth yeah. underneath the tank. And he did, and boom, the shot sliced upward and tore at the earth, and the next moment, that darn tank is falling down over the bluff. Yeah, that was not a great idea, Jeb, because now yeah. that tank's going to fall right on top of you. And somehow, in spite of the fact that uh, science and, uh, and physics, um, they managed to perceive that the tank is falling down the bluff, start the tank, and drive it into the cave to escape the tank the other tank falling down on top of them somehow it it fell so slowly that there was enough time for them to move their entire tank inside i'm quite certain they did not turn the tank off to sit here and fire Still. i'm sure they left the engine running i'm sure they did leave the engine running yes you're right well it was a great plan except now they're inside the cave the enemy tank falls right in front of the cave opening now they're trapping trapped. them inside Luckily, the Sealed tank was up. largely large enough for them to drive their tank around inside. <laughs> right? Well, because this is a tiny tank. These little Stuart tanks are tiny. Not a big panzer. I'm like tanky. The... the tiny tank. <laughs> the tiny haunted tank. Ooh. No, tanky's the bird's name. Do we oh. need another name for the bird? Oh, no. Was, does the tank have a name? How about, but since it's a Confederate uh, general, we'll call him Beauregard. Beauregard the pigeon. <laughs> okay. Now this cave is amazingly backlit from the inside, so they can <laughs> see that the cave has lots of openings. Maybe one of them leads somewhere. If it well, doesn't, we've had it. Obviously, some designers gone in there and lit this cave charmingly. Well, yes. surely, in a worst case scenario, they could just blast that tank away from the opening. Uh, well, they would risk collapsing the entrance down and there. And also all the munitions in the enemy tank would well, probably explode. I, I would actually think before they go driving their tank around into these holes, uh, these tubes uh-huh. inside the, the tunnel yep. where they could potentially get trapped, they would instead uh, try it on foot first. There you go. Thinking again. <laughs> I guess it would add panels to this story, wouldn't it? Sure. What if they don't have any chalk or paint or anything? Or breadcrumbs. It would be eaten by Tanky or Beauregard. Beauregard. You know what they do have? A pigeon. Yes, they the do. The pigeon just takes off suddenly. Well, he's rested now. And 
If only we could catch up with a flying pigeon, he might lead us to a way out. Well, look at Beauregard. He's flying slowly. Yeah. So that they can follow him. He's God bless he's wheeling, so that must mean that he's like flying a little bit and turning around and look at them and flying some more and looking at them. It floats ahead of them. Is that Bill and Tina? It must be. I hear Butler barking. She's got a scarlet red coat on. Doesn't she have her face covered or is it buttoned up to her neck? I don't know. Mm. Well, now what are they looking at the neighbors? You know, he's on part of the crew that's on a warpath now to have compliance with the HOA. He has no position on that, on our HOA board, yet he is very active in Mm -hmm. compliance. Well... I don't have to worry about it anymore. No, we are compliant to the hilt. I just meant that I'm not an officer of the HOA mm. at the present time. Mm. What? What? Well, I don't like how things are going. I think we need to put the house on the market. Okay. Think we can get a profit? I know we can get a profit. The problem is everything else has gone up as well. So whatever profit we made is going to have to be turned around and buy, unless we buy a smaller house. Just buy land. Land, Katie Scarlett. It's the only <laughs> thing that matters. <laughs> Good, we could eat our dirt. Um, now, they do see light ahead in one of the tunnels. And out they go. End of part one. Let's go to part two. As we clanked out into the light, I was staggered by the realization that... Oh, those, my God. Uh, those German tanks up there, the doughboys flattening before them. This is World War One. The passageway and the cave must be a warp in time, taking us back to the First World War. Oh my God! It's not. It's it's bad enough that this man has hallucinations of a of a Confederate general that only he can see that he talks to who haunts a tank. Yes, a tank that was not around when J. E. B. Stewart was actually alive. Obviously, correct. It was yes. Technology that was created. So now he is got his head out above and he sees that they have actually gone back in time to World War One. Yes. Um, also, the sky is red, so I'm sure this is a crisis on Infinite Earths related time travel mishap. Oh, okay. I'll t- you are the scholar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yank sergeant runs up to me and makes me blink because it looks like Sergeant, sergeant Rock. Rock. How did he get here? Well, he can travel through time just as good as anybody else, Jeb. Um, no, but he realizes it's Rock's face, but in World War I, it must be his father. Oh my God, it's his father. Can you help us, Lieutenant? We need a hitch through the barbed wire. It's cost us enough, men. So as the steward crashed through the barbed wire, the steward is the type of tank. It must be the steward, right? Yeah, I've said okay. that about three times already. Uh, I, <laughs> I was paying attention months ago when we read this in another issue. Um... <sighs> Now, first of all, Jeb, you can't just go mucking around changing the past when you're in time travel. You can't shoot. What if he changes history? What if one of the people he shoots is a former or a future Nobel Prize winner or something? Uh, oh, sure. What well, if Madame Curie is out there on the Nazi side. Nazis. <laughs> well, they weren't Nazis in World War One. What were they? Oh, I don't remember. Kaiser Wilhelm and his band of ne'er-do-wells huns what huns. were they who were they uh, you're asking me you could just pause this and look it up on your phone or I don't, what, we could keep stalling i'm not made of i'm not a time traveler they're germans okay <laughs> <laughs> they weren't the nazis though all right in world war one so they uh the world war one doughboys follow closely behind the tank from the future why do they call them doughboys oh i don't know hold on 
We just took a brief pause to consult Wikipedia. Why do they call them Doughboys? Well, the the origin of it is really not known, uh, but it's a popular nickname for the American infantrymen during World War One. The origins of the term are really not certain. It was still used in the 1940s. Uh, there were songs called Doughboys and such, um, and it might have some history um, in uh, Britain and America um, with different meetings, meanings. Um, it might have been a precursor, uh, pre precursor rather, to modern donuts. Apparently, the the in the United States, the term had come to be applied to bakers, young apprentices being called doughboys. So, uh, and in in, in uh, Herman Melville's uh, Moby Dick, um, they nicknamed uh, the cabin steward doughboy. So, okay, well, there you go. They're called doughboys. Well, I can report that the doughboys are fighting the Central Powers. Central Powers, also known as the Central Empires. Okay. Consisting of Germany, Austria-Hungary, the Ottoman Empire, and Bulgaria. Also okay. known as the Quadruple Alliance. Okay, thank you. Whatever they are, they're nasty. If nothing else, we do learn a little bit of history here on this podcast, don't I'll we? say. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, they're shooting up these German tanks. Mm -hmm. uh, the Doughboys split up. And uh, Jeb realizes that's where Sergeant Rock has gotten his... Keen fighting skills from from his father. From his father. What if he killed? What if he accidentally? Exactly. What if he accidentally killed uh, the father? And Sergeant Rock would never be born. Yeah. So they swarmed all over the enemy tank, hosing it with lead and grenades until they destroy it. The World War One Sergeant Rock was one big grin when the battle was over. Thanks, Lieutenant. That was a real pleasure. By the way, I'm Mike Rock. I'm Mike Rock. Everybody knows that Sergeant Rock's father's name is John. <laughs> Uh, Jeb introduces himself, and they say goodbye, and off they go back into the cave. And now this is like an episode of the monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> They're driving in one door and one cave and out the other in fast speed with jaunty music. With playing. jaunty music. <laughs> when you call my name, oh, I'm a believer. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. All the passageways seem to lead into one another. Nothing leads out. It's like playing blind man's bluff and I'm it. And they're leaving tracks everywhere. So then he hears the fluttering of wings. It's our mascot. Beauregard. Beauregard. Are you going to guide us again, Pigeon? Beauregard glided slowly before us and I followed with the tank. I can't tell whether we went up this way before. If we did, we might be stuck in here for the duration. If not, there's a chance for us. Again, the pigeon led us toward a circle of light. A circle of light. We're out, all right. But where or when are we? He doesn't really say that. No, that would no. have been a clever no. thing to stick in there. But he soon learned the hard way when they come out and they're being attacked by a World War II Nazi Another one. Now, that first tank is still jammed into the cave entrance that they went in before. And no one survived that crash. No. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to try to get behind that wreckage uh, and use it as a uh, cover to fire back at this other German tank. That, well, that's a good idea, but they have to move fast because they're being shot at by that Nazi tank. Just then, Sergeant Rock and his men from the past come out of the other cave exit mm -hmm. which is now behind the german tank and they start firing at the germans on the rear and they climb on that tank and make mincemeat of those guys inside they they're like ants just, on a dead carcass they got grenades they got everything right yep bless you thank you what's where's he from who Sergeant Rock, sling the lead hearty, men. <laughs> sling. 
Why didn't you say me boys? Sling the lead hearty, me boys. <laughs> Sergeant Rock from the past is clearly Irish. Um, the tank explodes. Pafoom. And all's well that ends well. Oh, beautiful Bobby, artwork. Dang, he does look just like Sergeant Rock. Yeah. 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 Well, they heard the shelling in the past and thought you might need help, and they just followed the sound of the firing through the cave till we came out here. Time to return to our position on the other side of the cave, sir. We dropped markers. It won't take long. I hope the markers weren't burnt breadcrumbs. Otherwise, <laughs> Beauregard's going to eat up the evidence. I'll say. Uh, the markers will lead them back to their position and their war. Goodbye, Sergeant. Is anybody going to make a report to HQ that there's an active time warp that's now marked? <laughs> that we can go back to World War One and change the course of history? Oh, it's the walkers that Butler hates so much. And they're such nice people. I really like them. Well, he uh, embarrassed me yesterday for the last time. I know you were. I mean, I was worried. You really seemed like you'd had it with Butler. And I Butler had. does not act the fool with me. And I think it's simply because I'm not a better walker than you with him. I think I, I sense it and immediately. And also, do you remember those years when he would I, when I would come home uh, and he would jump up on me and I tried to correct him? And uh -huh. eventually it got to be he was so cowed down that he would immediately go onto his back and start peeing himself. Uh -huh. And then I had to stop doing that. Yes. I think. Those were the days. Well, yeah, a dog going on its back and peeing himself. That's yeah. that's the no. I think that the the relationship that I have with Butler is he one hundred percent sees me as the alpha dog, and oh. so he just does not like when when he senses it, he does not screw around with me. Well, bully for alpha dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so they clank on. Uh, Sergeant Rock and his company go back to the past. And uh, Beauregard comes to roost in Jeb's helmet, oh, where just he so, can also shit. Just so I can, so the listeners, they don't think I used to beat the dog. No, I would stand there with my arms crossed and tell him down. Oh, down. Yeah. yeah. No, he didn't beat him. No, God, no. And 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 he got so worried he because he used to jump up and greet us that, mm -hmm. that he got so worried that he eventually just went right back down onto his back and then started peeing himself, which is an act of submission from from one dog to another dog. Yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. So sure. there we are. So we have the Beauregard uh, flapping back in resting to to re to sit and shit inside another helmet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all's well that ends well, except no one's going to tell anyone about this active time warp that no, leads from one war to the other. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll never come up in comics ever again, right? No. Now, I've asked you here today, Dr. Husband. Yes. As your role as a former cruise ship personnel. Yes. I was a... An actual officer in the Merchant Marines. You were. Yes. Cruise director. That's what he was. Excuse me. I had safety training and whatnot. I actually was a, a card-carrying member of the Merchant Marines. I know, but when you say Merchant Marines, it makes it sound like you're down on the docks hoisting cargo around. Like in um, traveling on the, the waterfront. Seas. You know, when I was growing up, mm. when I was very, very young, not growing up, I was a toddler. Yes. Our next-door neighbor, Mr. Topping, mm -hmm. had been one of those roughshod merchant marines, sailed South China Seas in the 1920s and 30s. Wow. How exciting, I know. Did he have any uh, curious collectibles? He had that camphor wood chest that's down in our TV room. He gave that to you? Not to your family. To, to your my family? mother, yes. Really? Yes. It's a beautiful chest. I, I love know. it. I never, ever want to get rid of it until we die. Then we'll right, right, right. Yes. Um, it's a camphor wood chest. It's huge and it's got carved like dragons in the top. And It's fantastic. Chinese it's designs. one of my favorite things that we own. Same, girl, same. Mm. Um, 
So uh, also my first words are associated with Mr. Topping because he'd always would give me candy and I'd go to the back door and I'd say, candy, thank you. No, I know you're making that face and I know what it sounds like okay. and it's not nothing untoward happening. Okay, all right, okay. But that was my first words. Candy, candy thank, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what your mother's first words were? Uh, more lum. More lum. Lum is Limburger cheese. My <laughs> infant mother loved Limburger cheese. And she'd say, more lum. More lum. <laughs> Mark well, Regan, what? So why did you ask me about that? You said uh, my, my experience. Uh, oh, because this story we're about to read takes oh, place on a cruise ship. Okay, and I've okay. got some questions. Oh, sure, of course. Let me get to that story. Yes. Uh, this is from Tales of the Unexpected, number 98. It's a green glob weirdy. I like Are the green you ready? Glob. I am so ready. Uh, if you're new here, listener, the green glob was a recurring... Uh, character? I guess we could say it's a character. It's a glob of green fog that floats around Earth and helps people out in times of distress. So it's like touched by an angel, but if Della Reese was a blob of green fog. (laughs) Sister, girl, woman, child, girl, angel. I believe in later uh, times the green glob has been tied to the Green Lantern Corps in some fashion. Okay. Uh, but I'd have to double check my sources on that. Mm. Anyway, Mark Regan had a fortune in his kick. What's a kick? Isn't it like a a satchel or something? I don't. I, he refers to a kick several times in this story, and I was thinking, okay, I wasn't born in the 1960s, so I don't know what the slang term kick means. I guess is that like someone's boot? You know? Well, let's look it up on Wikipedia since we're here. Okay. Uh, oh, kick slang term. Kick slang term. Hmm. Kick is slang for shoes as okay. well as having some fun. Okay. Um, no? No. That's not. Uh, to be full of pep and energy? Yeah. No. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, it's in quotes, uh, and this is the 1960s, and it's a go-go check pod, a go-go check rather. I'm sorry, go-go check um, uh, comic. Yeah. So of course they're going to use slang quite a bit in the narrative here. They um, wouldn't need to. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, I just used the word satchel to see if uh, that would help. No. And the first thing that came up is a slang term referring to the scrotum. Okay. Mark Regan had a fortune in his kick. Money he swindled and sent south of the border. He had it made, or so he thought, a full life of fun and relaxation was in his grasp. But that was before the Green Glob appeared on the scene to book him as a passenger on a most extraordinary ship and with a fellow traveler who was to mysteriously influence his future. Mm -hmm. The Green Glob in... The The Weird weird Passenger passenger in in Cabin cabin Number 13. 13. Uh, Let's just go past those yeah, first yeah, yeah. few panels. Okay, uh, so. An anxious finger repeatedly jabs the doorbell at 22 Williams Street. Buzz, 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 buzz. Mark Regan is excited and impatient. Start packing, kitty honey. We'll be married on the boat to South America. I just sent a cool million down here for our honeymoon. Uh, a million dollars. Mark, are you out of your mind? What'd you do? Rob the bank you work at again? Whoa, now wait a minute. 
It's not like I dipped into some poor guy's pocket. The bank's negotiable bonds are covered. The, the insurance company will make good the loss. Oh, Mark, you promised to live a decent life after that last experience. I, I can't marry a thief. So I guess we can assume that he was not identified as the previous robbery of the bank. <laughs> I suppose so. I guess he got away with it. You robbed the bank you work at again? Mm-hmm. I know someone that works at a bank. They don't play around. Like, if you're even, your drawer is off at the end of the day, they just walk you out the door and you're fired. Well, he's obviously clever enough to figure out how to get away with it. Or at least I so he thinks. so. So what does he say to her? Kitty, we got life in the palm of our hand. Don't throw it away. What accent did I start with? Not that one. We got life in the palm of our hand. Don't throw it away. Think of a wonderful future we can share. Sure, some future, always on the run, never feeling safe. No, Mark, you'll have to live it alone without me. Goodbye. Slam. (laughs) Women, am I right? Mm. Who needs her? Anyway, right now I've got to get out of the States before the bank bird dogs start running me down. Back in his apartment, Mark Regan hurriedly packs, then taxis to the South Wharf. Uh, He buys a ticket to a cruise to South America. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, give me any room. I don't care. But as Regan's fingers reach out to clutch the ticket, a gaseous mass invisible to human eyes appears. I have a lot of experience with a gaseous mask invisible to human mass. Yeah, I've had eyes. it. Speaking of rough weeks. Oh, my God. Whew. Uh, it was that soup I made. My chicken soup. Oh, my God. I don't know what it, it something. I woke up out of a dead sleep this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, my God. Who is doing that? It's the green glob. Oh. Well, who was it? Was it you or me or the it was, dog? It was you. It was you. Oh, yeah. sorry. That's okay. So um, it's now, one of the if, joys of being married for 31 years. If it's um, a gaseous mass invisible to human eyes, how is it green? It knows it's green. But just it like dogs, just, just like dogs know that we have... We stop and, and they look and they see these lights uh-huh. and one's gray and one's yellow and one's gray. <laughs> what are you talking about? Dogs are colorblind. I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, spawned in the black, mysterious darkness of outer space, it has drifted to Earth to affect mankind in strange and mysterious ways. And Mark Regan is the next human to know the eerie powers of the green glob. Mr. Regan, I'm sorry you booked passage on this ship, sir. We're all filled up. Then why'd you sell him a ticket? Yeah, right? You'll have to share a cabin with another passenger. Uh, yes, yes. I've raised my hand. I have a question. Yes? Do cruise ships just randomly assign you a roommate? Uh, no. No, they, they wouldn't have sold him a ticket uh, if there was no berth for him. Because second only to my fear of open water is my fear of being randomly assigned a roommate. Yeah, that doesn't really happen. Phew, okay. He says, though, that's all right, I'm not particular. Although, you know, that's how Superman and Batman met. On a cruise ship? On a cruise ship, and they were randomly assigned roommates, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne. Are you kidding? No. Maybe that was a thing back then. Maybe. I don't know. Well, so the steward takes him to cabin number 13. He says, your cabin uh, number is 13, sir. I hope you're not superstitious. Yes? Don't cruise ships, like some tall office buildings, just eliminate room number 13 and some office buildings just eliminate the 13th floor? Uh, precisely for this reason. I, 
I wow. Am I going to get more questions like this? Yes. Okay. Uh, I do not know if cabin number thirteen is something that cruise ships do eliminate, but you are absolutely right about the floors. They do often skip from eleven uh, to, from twelve to fourteen. And surely it would be like Lido thirteen or a deck. Ye- yes, and actually it would be yes, it would be something thirteen because you have to identify the deck. Yeah. Yes. See, I'm not completely useless. Hey, sorry about intruding like this. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry about intruding like this, randomly assigned roommate, but it was the only space available. Hope you don't mind sharing the cabin to South SA, South, South America. America. My name's Regan, Mark Regan. Uh, glad to know you, Regan. I'm Khan. How about being my guest for lunch? All right, there they go. Table for two. This way, please. And all of a sudden, help, help, man overboard. Well, that's the thing. Like, Khan says, I'll be right back with you. I want to pack, uh, pick up some cigarettes. Uh-huh. Help, help, man overboard. There, there he is. He was just trying to take our picture, get us in focus. When he backed up, the ship lurched, and over the railing he went. And then, for some reason... Quickly following right after him is Mark Regan. It's almost like, it looks like the... The railing, the railing disappears. Yeah. Yeah, it disappears. So well, it he, doesn't disappear because there's a big crash. He busts through it. Oh, he busts through it. So he says, look at me trying to rescue this old joker. Oh, boy, have they got uh, this the show confused. I didn't jump into this big pond for anyone. I fell. But he happens to fall with the life preserver. preserver. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the ship stops, picks them up. Mark Regan is hailed as a hero. Okay, so... One of the reasons why I'll never go on a cruise ship ever again yeah. is because fish and sharks follow cruise ships. Like if you're if a, if a cruise ship is is, is if they throw tra- food waste overboard, mm-hmm. it is consumed very quickly by fish that follow cruise ships. Sure. And um, unless they're out like really really deep ocean, but generally if they're close to the shore, it's consumed immediately, uh-huh. and that activity attracts sharks. Oh yeah, yeah. So if you're, you're close to land and you fall overboard, you're gonna attract some attention from the water, from the creatures in the water. Cool, 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 cool. Very cool, quickly, cool, cool. and you better hope if you fall off a cruise ship that it's during the day, and that you have, and that you've fallen far from the ship because the propellers will drag you under and chop you up. Fun. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to book our next cruise. Um, later, after a change of clothes, Mark appears in the ship's gym where Khan is already there with a, with a towel over his towel head. Towel over his head. Yeah, we'll come back to this. Mm. Um, hi, hi, Mark. I thought you had your workout earlier today in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, feeling just a little tense, Khan. Uh, thought I'd do some work on the bag and bars to loosen up. The bag and bars. I yeah. never heard it referred to as that, but I knew exactly what it was. He's sure, been punching bag and some weightlifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now what's happened? Clang, 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 clang with the alarms. Mr. Reagan, Mr. Khan, cabin 12's on fire. I thought you'd want to know because it's next to yours. That's literally the only reason you thought someone would want to know that there's a fire on the ship? Okay, so the next sequence of events is very unusual for yes. fire management on a ship. So, uh, Mark Regan wants to get there before the blaze reaches room 13 because his, he's got some pocket money stashed there in his mm-hmm. bags. Uh, 50 grand to be exact. Yes. Smoke is already streaming from the cabin. His best bet is to go through the adjoining door in cabin 12 mm-hmm. uh, and get to room 13. Mm. 
But first he has to douse the fire in room 12 with the fire extinguisher, which he grabs from the, another passenger. The purser. Oh, oh passenger. no, no, that is an officer. Okay, okay. Uh, that's what I thought was weird because a fire crew would, would keep everybody back and would immediately take us because they're trained in fire management. Right. Yeah. Um, not some not some rando passenger grabbing a fire extinguisher. <laughs> right, right, right. No, that doesn't happen. Um, now, he rushes into cabin 12 where it's filled with smoke and also there's a woman in a wheelchair. <laughs> Obviously, this is started by her smoking in her wheelchair. Yes. Yes. Uh, the flames have already burned into room 13. There's nothing to do now but get out of here with this invalid. <laughs> Who's about to collapse from the smoke? Uh, yeah, I'm surprised that they've drawn her as clearly, clearly as she has. With a, with a cabin being what it is in a cruise ship, it would be black, black, black smoke. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, here's Mr. Regan, and he saved another person's life. But there goes 50 grand up in smoke. Well, well, it doesn't matter. I can afford to lose that chicken feed with a million waiting for me when we dock. Really? I, can you afford to lose five percent no. if a million, a million? No, no. Million is million is not as much as you think. Uh, everybody. Uh, well, back in the nineteen sixties, it was a hell of a lot. <laughs> well, so it's was probably fifty thousand. Yeah, fifty thousand dollars is a lot. Like it's probably worth four million now, or let's say three million, three million now, which is a lot. Yeah, you could. You could retire with three million dollars sure. in South America. You could live. Oh, for sure, in South America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the fire now is under control, but I'm afraid you've lost some of your property, Mr. Regan. I'd be happy to borrow some clothing for you. So the, that's helpful. The people are starting to gather around and just thank him. The man yes. and a wife, the, the man and the wife of the man who he saved earlier and his wife. Yes. There's the invalid who's being uh, taken care of by the doctor. Uh-huh. She said, you are heaven sent to us, Mr. Regan. We're grateful to you. Indeed we are. You're a real hero, and I'm proud to shake your hand. So then the captain comes up to you, and uh -huh. this, this is a proper thing for, for, uh, for uh, a cruise ship. It would be an honor to have you sit at my table tonight, uh, Mr. Regan. May I look forward to it? Sure thing, Captain. I used to think this hero bit was for squares, but it kind of gives you a good feeling helping people instead of swindling them. So Khan says to him, come Still with his head draped, with his in, head a draped in a towel. That's just so weird. Um, come along, Mark. Um, you had a more than a, you had more than a short workout. I guess you could use some rest on the upper deck. That 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 tracks. You know, just going yeah. to the upper deck to get some fresh air. Yeah. That evening, as Mark enters the dining room... There he is! Three cheers for the hero, Mr. Reagan! Yay! Hurrah! Thanks, hurrah! Folks. Applause, Thanks, applause, folks. applause. Over yeah. here, Mr. Reagan. Come sit beside me. Is that oh, no, the man the captain. sits the <laughs> <laughs> No, it's actually... It's, not, it's another officer. It's not the captain, but... but. Later... Well, no, it is, because here's the captain. No, the different page. suit. Different suit. Well, it's... Blue suit. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, later, while they're having dessert... Anything wrong, Captain? You look a little concerned. Odd. We're not in rough weather, and yet you'll notice that water's spilling from all the glasses on the table. If you'll all excuse me. Clang, 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 clang. What a time. What a strange time to have a fire drill. Well, they've all got to get in their life jackets and take our positions on deck. Uh, here, you ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen, our ship's been struck by a submerged iceberg and we're taking water. Where the hell are they? They're going to South America. What submerged iceberg would they have encountered from wherever they left on the east coast of the United States? Well, maybe they're going to the other side of South America and maybe the Panama Canal was closed for repairs mm -hmm. and they had to go down to the tip of... Uh, 
Where is it? Argentina? What's at the bottom? Well, based upon the way that they're dressed, I mean, these women are wearing dresses, mm-hmm. and the men are wearing uh, sport coats and mm-hmm. such. They're not leaving the northern tip of Maine uh, <laughs> during during the winter, where ice flows might have come down in, in, that far. I don't. How did they encounter an iceberg? How? How? Maybe Captain Cold was on a crime spree or something like that happened. He they did. could have struck anything. They could have struck a rock. They could have struck uh, some shoals that, that by some for, by some freak accident. Mm-hmm. They struck an iceberg. Maybe the Green Glob has had a hand in this. Well... Uh, metaphorically, because he doesn't have hands. The green He's not even is going a... to great lengths to reform this human being. Sure, why not? By taking down a cruise ship and 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 and, and injure, uh, putting people's lives in jeopardy. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they say they're going to the assigned positions, and yet people seem to have no idea what lifeboat they've been assigned to. Mm, that information uh, is available on your cabin door. Also, every cruise starts with a fire drill. Right. Yes. And yet here comes a lady with a baby, no life jacket, <coughs> running me. towards the only available lifeboat. Well. And uh, Mark Regan is just about to get on board, but here comes a lady with the baby. And... Uh, I can't take the spot. Not with his mother and her baby still aboard. Here you go, young lady. Puts her in the lifeboat. Doesn't give her a life jacket. No. There might be one in there. And where's her husband? Is she a single mother? On a cruise? Where'd that money come from? He might have jumped onto another lifeboat without her. Then, as the last lifeboat is lowered away, the ship begins to list, and he's got to dive into the ocean to avoid being taken down with the ship. Yeah, it's a great idea since there's icebergs. It's probably a comfy temperature to swim around in. Right, and you actually don't want to dive into the water like that, but that's okay. Right. Well, yeah, I made it for your life. If you God knows how you're going to dive into the water from that height, but okay. So uh, he's in the water. Yeah, and look, there is a life buoy, a life buoy, uh, well, a and life raft. Cons yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. And hey, wait a minute, you're me or my double. In a way, I am your double mark. You see, I'm your conscience. conscience, conscience, conscience. The voyage we've taken together has shown you the way to a decent life, Mark. Don't throw it away. You've got the stuff good men are made of. Hang on to it. Conscience? Con, what's happening to you? You're fading. Get it? His name is Con, and this is Conscience. You don't need me anymore, Mark. You're on your own. I've done all I can do to help you. This is all so crazy, and yet I do feel like a new man. I'm not the swindler who boarded that ship. Maybe, just maybe, I can start fresh. Well, of course, he's about to be tested, isn't he? Mm-hmm. A passing freighter rescues the passengers, and as they reach port at Rio de Janeiro... hmm Police. Jeez, it's the cops. I could walk right by them, pick up the cash I sent here, and live in the lap of luxury the rest of my life. I could... But I won't. So he turns around to the cops and he says, My name's Mark Regan. I'm a fugitive wanted back in the United States and I want to turn myself in. See, si, senor. That is understandable. Wait a minute. They don't speak Spanish in no, Rio de Janeiro. No, they speak Portuguese. 
So, so I have no idea what Portuguese sounds like, but I mean, I, I do because I've, I've looked at some stuff, but I don't know how to speak it. No. Probably like, she, senor. <laughs> she, she, senor. Your ship, she had an appropriate name. Verdad. Verdad. That means truth in your English language. Truth. Hmm. Could that name have had anything to do with the sudden change of my character? A voyage on the Verdad? I guess I'll really never know. Turning the stolen bonds over to the Rio authorities, Mark voluntarily returns home where... Since the bank recovered the stolen bonds, they dropped the charges, Regan. That's not how that works. No, I'm surprised that, that, the, that the people in Rio de Janeiro actually returned the money. Yes. Uh, and also, if this man was black, he would be for sure Locked taken for life. for life in prison. Yes. We could prosecute, but now that you've shown that you've reformed, we're going to give you a break. Not this is like that movie. What's that movie with Julia Stiles, the dance, when she's dancing? <laughs> and she does her hip-hop audition at Juilliard, and the oh, and they say, committee stands up from the table. It's, I probably shouldn't say anything, but, but welcome, welcome to, to Juilliard. Juilliard. That's also not how college admissions works. No. Well, another shot at life. You won't regret it, regret it, folks. Honest. So then he goes back to Kitty. I want to do Kitty's voice. Okay. Okay. Kitty, honey, this was too much to hope for. Can you ever forgive me? The past is forgotten, Mark. I'll accept that marriage proposal. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. And now that you're an honest man, you'd better find a job. Come give him a minute, Kitty. He just... <laughs> Drowned, almost drowned in the ocean. In South America, thank you. Fought a fire, saved a baby. Once again, the green glob has acted in strange and mysterious ways, and only you, the reader, are aware of its amazing power. How's that job search coming, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Is the green glob going to help him find a job? Uh, I don't think. I don't think the green glob sticks around for all the little details. Now, hasn't he done enough? Throwing a man overboard, uh, setting a room on fire, and sinking an entire ship to reform a man. Hasn't the green glob done enough? Here's what I don't like. Mm -hmm. uh, when we see Khan, mm -hmm. first, he, when he's going to get cigarettes and his face is shrouded in shadow. Yes. Then he's got the towel over his head for half the story. Yes. And then, finally, he appears in the lifeboat and Mark recognizes his own face. But in the very first panel, when he opens the door to cabin 13 to introduce himself, it, he's clearly looking right at Khan's face. Yes. And it doesn't say, hey, you, that's my face. Maybe the green glob obscured uh, Mark's Khan's uh, uh, features. Did he? Because he's invisible to human eyes, even though he's somehow green. Well... Apparently, he, I'm sorry. Uh, I green... keep. I may be um, misgendering Green Glob. I don't know what his pronouns are. It. It's their pronouns. There. So, but but uh, well, let's just say that this this character, this 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 con, this mm -hmm. conscience. Mm -hmm. If the Green Glob has the power to make Mark's conscience uh, a solid uh, uh, human form, yes, one could therefore extrapolate that perhaps the Green Glob also changed the features. Until the big reveal, the moment of the reveal, which was the saving him in the ocean. And can we trust anything? Like, what if this old man photographer that fell in the ocean, what if that's the green glob? And what if this lady with the baby is the green glob? Or the cripple smoking in the wheelchair. Uh -huh. Yeah. I shouldn't say cripple. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. Okay. 
Um, invalid. Invalid. Smoking in the wheelchair. To be I use the word crippled. No... I, I, I use the word crippled just because I'm assuming that she set her own fire with her own cigarette. To be clear, there's no textural evidence that she was smoking. Uh, true. Let's just assume that fires always start for no reason whatsoever in one's cabin. Listen, what if it was spontaneous human combustion, which <gasps> happened all the time in the 60s and oh 70s God, and right? somehow doesn't happen now? Oh, right. Well, maybe she maybe she was in a wheelchair and she accidentally knocked over a lamp, which started a fire. They have uh, open flame lamps on cruise ships. Oh, you're, so you're not allowing me to, to, <laughs> to make the assumption that she was smoking. In her cabin. No, no, no. Smoking in the 60s wasn't a thing inside someone's cabin at all, right? Right. It was. Maybe she um, had a curling iron that overheated. Oh, that's probably what happened. Yes. She was getting ready to go to dinner. Yes, that's it. She was curling her hair. And good for her for going on a cruise in a wheelchair with no assistant or husband or anything. Well, yes, good for her. Yes, well, uh, maybe the woman with the baby was actually her daughter. Maybe they were going on a cruise. Oh. Yes. Yes, and in that case, the woman with the baby didn't even help her mother. Then, you, well, because you, you know why. Why? Because the um, daughter yes. is unmarried. She's a teenager and she got pregnant. So they went on a cruise to South America. Oh, my the God. mother is going to have, have, quote, unquote, the baby. The baby while she's... Come back, yeah. Yes. That's very clever. I didn't even think of that. That's exactly what happened. That is what happened in my family. Oh, what? Well, my great uncle Bob, he had a girlfriend, Kathleen, and they were engaged for uh, 65 years. They never married. And the official story was that he didn't want to live in the city and she didn't want to live on the farm. Mm -hmm. But the real story was mm -hmm. that Kathleen was actually the daughter of her sister, Princess. And they were from a prominent family in Van Wert. And so when uh, Kathleen was born, the mother and Princess went on a cruise to Europe and came back with, surprise, I was pregnant on the cruise and I had a baby. And it was actually Princess's baby. And oh, Kathleen was afraid. If you got a blood test to get married. She thought it would all be uncovered that she was Princess's baby and didn't want to ruin the family name. Well, you know, I have some family scandal about unwanted babies, too. I know you do. Yes, you know, my mother. Yes. Well, my mother was, um, she was, uh, so she was adopted. Yes. Um, by my grandparents, yes. the Mitchells. And my grandparents uh, were, were not allowed to adopt. Like, they weren't approved for adopting a They're baby. They were too old. They were too old, so they purchased my sister from a Your mother. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Is this deeper than I think? Stop. They purchased my mother from a doctor, Dr. Carolyn Cole. Catherine. It, Catherine Cole or is mm -hmm. it Carolyn Cole? Catherine Cole. Well, I know it's Cole is her last yes. name. Catherine Cole. Um, in, in in Miami. Yes. And that woman was known to run a black market baby market. She would she would adopt out babies from that were given to her by uh -huh. unwed mothers yes. to people who did not qualify for adoption. Yes. yes. And she would falsify the records. There's no way to trace. No the way to trace parents. it. So my, we never know anything about and, and with 23andMe, I've been able to find like third cousins, but not anybody that can help me learn anything about my my actual mother's parents. Oh, so, no, the third cousin might be a way to I've messaged start. him, but I've heard nothing back oh, from anybody, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, um, yeah, because they don't give you, like, it's all private. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so my mother was was considered a Cat, Catherine, Catherine Cole baby. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and, and she spent most of her life trying to find her parents. Never never was successful. Yeah. Well, if only the green glob had come and actually done something useful. Well, once. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know anything about my mother's family at all. Yeah. Well. Hmm?
You can find us on social media at GoGoJugPod. Mm-hmm. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us right back here next week. Next week? Indeed. We'll be napped and ready to go. What are we going to read next week? Do you know yet? Um, Keep it a hold secret. The phone. It's okay. Oh, no. That's huh? right. Okay. You know, maybe uh, Green Lantern, your favorite. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. I'm glad to bring pleasure into your dull, horrible life. <laughs> You know that's not true. I'm like a green glob. No, you are changing not. people's lives for the better. Yes. Oh well, that's that's true. Yes, you are. You are. And you smelling are. and invisible to the human eye, <laughs> but somehow green. You are a wonderful human being. Thank you. You are. The same can be said of you. From some people, some people are saying, "Okay, <laughs> so I hope you all have a very good week. Yes. I hope you laugh a lot and enjoy life. Right. 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 All right. Bye. Bye.